depending on the stage of your career, it could be. And if you're early on at a company, like you could be million, right? Like definitely yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like I have a buddy at AWS, and he he's he was at Google Cloud before. He's had a great tech sales career. But as a field seller, let's say he's like 250k on target earnings, and he yeah. got enough equity that vests over four years that could be um, equivalent to a million dollars. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Techniche Tips. I'm your host, Joseph M. Smith, and like always, I have another one for you, and this one is special. Like I say, they're all special, but this one is special because we have somebody that is not only a tech sales professional that has been an SDR, that has been an account executive, but they're also a content creator providing tremendous value on the topic of tech sales and other things as well. Uh, you might have seen him deliver an amazing uh, rap performance. He has a single out, <laughs> so you definitely want to check that out. But absolutely, <laughs> he's busted, right? <laughs> so you definitely want to check it out. Cop it today, right? But I have none other than Chris, and I said pronounce it right now. Busting, right? Just like yeah, your last name, right? That new term. I mean, it's not even new, but that's busting. Well, my last name is busting. It's kind of crazy to think that it's become a term, and my name has some meaning behind it now. So. That's that, that 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 is cool. And I just I just I just was like, this is dope. It just actually everything just worked together. So that's really awesome. Uh, but for those who don't know you, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your background, uh, what you're doing currently. Uh, let's start with there. What are you doing currently right now in tech sales? Yeah. So I'm at a um, cloud consulting startup and we're series D startup. We just got two hundred fifty five million in funding. And the next step is to try and go public or IPO. So one of the best kept wealth building secrets in tech sales is going to a startup and negotiating equity. Pre-IPO equity is like fairy dust before a company goes public. But if you mm. do go public, that stock where you negotiated at a lower rate as a part of your compensation package can quadruple in value, maybe even grow by more of a multiple. So it's a really great opportunity at Bespin, and I'm the second founding seller. So I've really enjoyed that. Before that, I was at Google Cloud, obviously a larger enterprise company. And before that, I cut my teeth in sales at Oracle. And I, I definitely think, um, going off on a little tangent here, but going to a company mm -hmm. like Oracle and Google and a larger enterprise company is helpful to be a launch pad to give you training and marketability with a big brand name on your resume to then launch to a startup where you're really in the wild uh, west, you're defining processes and figuring it out and you have a little more pressure on you, but the upside is huge. As I mentioned, the equity piece is huge, yeah. the public, as well as the opportunity to quickly move into leadership. And so that's where I'm at with my nine to five, but my big vision and my dream is to help more people launch their career in tech sales because I really do believe it's a vehicle to personal transformation, freedom and impact. Obviously, a part of that is making a lot of money to use as a tool to create that um, deeper level of freedom and impact in your life. So I've got my YouTube channel, Chris Bussing, which is growing, where I put out um, weekly videos and I also interview guests, um, just like you're interviewing me. And again, thank you for the opportunity. Um, and uh, I have a newsletter, the Sell More, Live More newsletter, which comes out every two weeks because I don't want to overload you. So guys, if, if you want, check that out. Shameless plug. That's not so shameless. Um, if you register uh, for my email list, I have three cold call templates you'll get with some mindset um, tips on cold calling, an SDR interview checklist, and an SDR 90-day um, success 
blueprint or plan that you can present in, in your interview processes, or if you're actually an SDR in the current role, so you get some free value. Uh, that's super high level, man. I, I got a course coming out to tech sales. Honestly, I'm juggling a lot and it's all around tech sales, basically, and helping people succeed. I love it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you your, your flowers right now. I love the work that you're doing. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. I love the work that you're doing uh, in your nine to five. Obviously, you, you, you lead by example. Um, and I love what you're doing with your, with your channel and the conversations that you have. It feels like a conversation. You know what I mean? Um, and it's so, it's so hard to do that in this virtual world sometimes. But these conversations, these are the birth of people having amazing ideas or making decisions that ultimately change their life. And yes. so I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. And, to, you know, to, to lay that out there is beautiful in regards to equity. We're definitely going to talk about that for sure. Uh, and I want to kind of go back because there's a lot <laughs> that you did. Um, you know, you, you did, you did, I think your undergrad was in business, I believe. Is that correct? In Spanish as well? So, yeah, I minored in Spanish. Hablo español. Uh, I think it's such a good uh, thing to be able to speak a, a few languages. Um, it just opens up new experiences. Like I lived in Spain. I studied abroad there through my university. And that was just really cool to, um, you know, like in a different language, there are nuances in the way uh, you communicate where you just you they have words that like we could describe certain feelings and things that maybe we couldn't even put our finger on in English. So it, it's just yeah. really cool. Um, I did go to Georgetown university in DC. I followed a typical path of trying to get into a top school. And that did help me because companies like Oracle, top companies do come and recruit from there, but it's yeah. not needed. You could not even go to college and become one of the top performers and highest earners out there. And that's the beauty of sales, right? Sometimes if you're overly academic and intellectual, it could actually hurt you um, in sales. But I will say it, I did follow that traditional college path. Um, I minored in economics because I was thinking like, what's the major, honestly, I looked statistically who in the Georgetown college makes the most money. Uh, like mm. major in economics was one of those. I think it, it's just a good, like flexible major that can set you up to go into business. And it teaches a certain type of thinking, looking at cost benefit analysis that's useful. And so I've made decisions in my life when I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Like what is a path I can take that will give me options and that mm. will give me skills that will serve me in anything I do. So economics was a major that could set me up to go into law because statistically, um, according to like studies on the LSAT, economics majors do really well on the LSAT. Um, it set me up for business, really any path. And then tech sales was an example of a career path then for someone who didn't know exactly what they wanted to do, but knew they loved people, wanted to make money, et cetera. Yeah. I could develop skill sets like being able to prospect, negotiate, communicate more effectively that would set me up to be a better entrepreneur. And, and honestly, I had a lawyer, I settled a lawsuit, which we don't need to get into. He did sales for 10 years, made him a better lawyer. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So doing something, especially if you don't know what you wanna do with your life, but you know you have big dreams, choosing whether it's a major or a career path like tech sales that gives you flexibility and skills and income and connections that serve you and elevate anything you ever wanna do. 
I totally agree with that. And and the thing about it is, like you said earlier, you don't necessarily need a degree to get into tech sales. Yep. For myself, even though I do have a degree, it music totally unrelated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but even though I have a degree, it was the experience that I developed working in solar sales. It was the ability that I had working in other tech companies prior to, well, one tech company prior to that. That that experience was what really helped me leverage that plus to going through course careers and getting the terminology and the language down. Those things are what helped me to make that pivot for you. And so for you, I, I love the, the, the mindset, though, that you were like business economics, things that I could really pivot with that could help me to go any career path I want to go in the future yes. if I decide to do so. That was very wise. That's yeah, that was a very wise thing. Like tech sales is one of the best paths for people who don't know what they want to do with their life, but they know mm. they want to be great. I actually told myself that in college, I'd say to myself, I just something in me, I want to be great. And I knew I love people. So if you love people, no question, consider tech sales because you get paid to weave networking and connecting with great teammates and customers to weave that into the fabric of your day to day. You get paid to build amazing relationships and some of my best friends in life I met in tech sales and I've met customers that like this one CTO I work with in Austin, I'm based in Austin. I'm in the back of his Aston Martin. He has like 14 cars. He's so successful. He, and it, he's become a friend. And I actually get really cool experiences through that relationship. And we get yeah. to do business together. And so if, if you love people, like no question, consider tech sales. Yeah. And two, if you're, you want to be great and you're ambitious and you don't know exactly what you want to do, it's a great way to tap into your greatness as you figure the details out. So true. That is so true. And the fact that you have clients that become friends, that shows you that you really can leverage the connection and the network that you're building while you're in this industry. And so speaking about networking, in regards to your position, did the company that you first went to as, a, as an employee, yeah. was that company that came to Georgetown or did you basically apply the traditional way for that to that to get that position? Yeah, it, it they came to Georgetown. So there is power in um, getting into an organization that is well recognized and respected. And I say organization because that could be a university or it could be your first tech sales company. You know, yeah. I went to Georgetown. I was fortunate, like Georgetown is very well recognized as a top university. And so companies come to recruit from Georgetown. They consider Georgetown students top, top talent. And not yeah. it, it's not like everyone's a genius there. I'll tell you that. It, you know, sometimes it, it, it can be hit or miss. But overall, there's some smart folks that worked hard to get there. And I'd say the same thing if you can get into a company like Oracle where I started. That is an organization that it gives you marketability, just like Georgetown gave me marketability. And so you get into Oracle, you get amazing training and companies like Google know that the sales training is incredible. It's one of the best sales organizations out there, even though the company isn't perfect. And Google at the time when I joined Google Cloud, they were really looking to become more of an enterprise sales organization because they're a little mm. more of an engineering product company, right? With Google search and things like that. Yeah. And so they uh, strategically were recruiting from Oracle or recruiting from Dell and Cisco and even yeah. IBM, some of these legacy companies, but a lot of the world actually runs on these companies. Quick True. tangent, like Oracle, um, I go out to New Orleans for a bachelor party and the POS system, point of sale system at Starbucks says Oracle, right? Like a lot of the world runs on Oracle. I didn't know it in college, but those types of companies are launchpad companies. And mm. 
you, being tied to an organization like that can set you up um, mm. tremendously. So that, that's just a quick concept. Like you, I could have gotten paid more money at a different company uh, other than Oracle, maybe a random startup. Uh, I had a 45K base and hitting my number, I made 75K. Most roles now you're going to get like 60K base or more, right? Yeah. I bet I probably will have generated hundreds of thousands of dollars more, not just now, but in the future by strategically going to Oracle because it was a great boat to row in because the mm. brand. So I think a mistake people make, and again, going on a little tangent is focusing so much on the highest amount of pay starting out yeah. versus finding the right boat to row in strategically that gives you the powerful branding that will get you much more money when you do launch to another boat, if that makes sense. There, thank you so much for watching this video. This video is actually sponsored by Course Careers. So whether you're interested in breaking in as a tech sales representative, if you're interested in actually doing IT or digital marketing, not only do they have free introductory courses for you right now, go to the description and check that out, but they also have $50 off that you could get from, through me, Joseph50. That's right, $50 off through Joseph50. So if you're interested in getting into that course, any which one, whether it's, again, tech sales, IT, or digital marketing, look no further. Go down to the description below, click on the link, and sign up right now. What are you waiting for? Yeah, let, let, us, let us take that and put it in a capsule for people. I think that was a nugget, a gem, as they say. Uh, or if we want to be like the Wild Wild West, that's a nugget of gold right there. Yeah. I've got <laughs> Go one, thought, by the way. Yeah. I was fortunate. I can't say like some people really hustled at network to create warm inroads and make it happen with no degree and uh, get at a top company or a, a good startup. Um, and I can't say I did that, right? I did. I worked my, you know what, off to get to Georgetown and then that attracted opportunities. And that's, that is powerful and it's a great mm. path. But I will say if I didn't have that, and even getting a job right now, like if I need to get a new job, networking is the ultimate way to step outside of the traditional application process and create your luck and earn the interview. Mm -hmm. You know, people sit on, you know, maybe they didn't go to a top university and that's not going to be a deal breaker. Like you can still make it happen, but rather than cold applying with your resume and hoping that an algorithm doesn't automatically rule you out or a recruiter um, isn't having a bad day and didn't eat lunch and just skips over you. Yeah. What if you can reach out to SDRs and AEs at the company you're trying to work at and just with humility and a bit of a personal touch, get 10 to 15 minutes, knowing that if they refer you and you get hired, they get paid sometimes as much as three grand. And so you can like bring value to them and, and, and learn about their path to success and ask for some help getting referred into the process. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you could just frame it like I, I clearly you've been successful I'd love to learn from you on what it takes and, and about the role and, and see if it makes sense to, you know, uh, for you to refer me in the process. And I think you don't have to overcomplicate it, but networking like that will ideally bump you to the top of the list. Yeah. You know? And then you can even get feedback from that person on how to improve your re resume and even how to prepare for in interview questions in the process. And that will be like coaching from the inside. Mm. I'm trying to guess like you actually could get the answers to the test and when I got my job at Google uh, coming from Oracle I I waited to apply and I didn't apply until until after um, talking to like three sellers and even getting example interview questions and getting referred you know so just yeah. to, uh, networking is really important
Yeah, I was I was gonna that's a great point. And so all that is really a beautiful step one. So step one, you you wanna network and you wanna be strategic in finding that particular company where yeah. it can be a launching pad, the launch yes. pad company for you. And you wanna network with people within that company to basically say, Hey, I'm new to this. I would love to find out a little bit more about the role. And, and if, if you feel comfortable after we talk, maybe you can refer me because it's another thing too. Sometimes people, and I've, I've, I've been on the receiving end of this where my recruiter for my company literally had to say, like, what are you talking about to people? Because there's tons of people that said, Oh, Joseph is here. I want to be here or whatever the case may be. Oh, and fine. I had to be like, uh, I probably know like 10% of those people that actually talk to me because of content creation and things of that nature. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and so, and so what, 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 what Chris is saying here is so true though. You want to make that genuine connection with that SDR, BDR, AE, et cetera, diversity and inclusion personnel. That's a big one too. They have a quota like as well. That is a great angle. Yeah. They, they, have, they, have, they have their own quota. And so if you could be able to make these genuine connections and pivot, that's huge. I've actually been, and I'm not trying to toot my horn at all, but I made connections also with recruiters back in the day that we didn't necessarily work out, but I was able to bring people to them. And mm. some people actually got jobs through that relationship. So I'm pretty sure in the future, if time comes around and actually this happened uh, a while ago, if they have an opportunity, they present it to me and I'll be like, oh, okay, I could now assess if that opportunity is for me or not. So what you're yeah. saying is, is everybody, <laughs> go to the comment section right now and start using that as your, as your notepad, people, because this is going to be some really good stuff. Launchpad, target company, got it. Yeah, All right. Say, you made a good point. Um, yeah. It's important to uh, nurture your network as your most strategic asset. You know, all opportunities yeah. are tied to people. And it's the ultimate way to shortcut trust to get outside the traditional application process and get a job faster and differentiate from your competition. It's also the yeah. fastest way to get new clients, right? Once you get into tech sales, like build your relationships till you get to a point where you're like the greatest seller out there that has past, you go to a new company and you have your past customers that trust you so much and they've done business with you for years that they just buy from you or at least hear you out in your new role. Yeah. Like you can literally say, hey, I'd love to tell you more about or a little bit about what I'm doing in my new role anytime. And they're like, sure. And then you can, you can bring it over your old customers. You might have someone in your network that's connected to the CTO at a company that you want to talk to that you know could spend millions with you that they fit your ICP and you go to your, your buddy and or maybe they're not super casual friendship, but they're, yeah. you know, you have some relationship and you ask them if they could warm introduce you or if you could reference them and boom, you, you accelerate trust. So yeah. your network is key. And I will say one of the greatest opportunities is what you described. If you don't get the job, but someone helped you, whether it's a recruiter or someone who referred to you, you've come up it, like obviously it hurts to um, not get a job, but you, this is just such a class act move. You go to them with gratitude and say, Hey, you know, thank you so much for your help. It really gave me an edge. I did not get the role, but I'd love to stay in touch. And then when you do get another job, let them know. And they'll be like, congrats, but they, it'll be such a classy move that they'll bring you new opportunities in the future. Who knows if they go into another role and even with the hiring managers or the folks that don't um, hire you, just appreciate them, maybe get some feedback and then update them like on getting a job like at another company, but and say, you'd love to stay in touch. Oh my gosh, it is unbelievable. Like you might get a job opportunity with them down the road and they'll remember that play the long game. Like yeah. I've had deals, multi-million dollar deals that initially I lost the deal 
Mm. Say I lost the deal to a competitor and a year later, and then a couple of these things, uh, this, uh, deals like this happened to me, like uh, in the past few months, but I lost the deal. And then fast forward a year later, I check in and there's an opportunity to win the business and I win an even bigger deal. And it's not just, it's for a longer term. Like we've won mm -hmm. it for the long term and maybe they're like, Hey, we should have gotten with you in the first place. So there's just su such power in playing the long game and building yeah. and nurturing that network. Yes. Let me just pause right here and just talk about something about you. I, I find that you're a very humble dude. And I want to honestly ask you, where did that, where does that humility come from? Where does that willingness to give and to serve other people, where does that come from? Yeah. I, I have to say like, I'm a mostly good guy, by the way. I have my moments where I can have pride and ego for sure. It can get the best of me, but that means a lot that you say that, that I am humble. And I think that it, it, Hey, it's partly my faith. You know, I was raised Christian yeah. and faith is important to me. I try not to project it on anyone, but I think yeah. um, in my faith, I'm given a model of how to be. And, and they said pride is like the root of all sin, honestly. Oh yeah. Pride comes before the fall. And I think like the, like, let's say the word of God or faith is not to, mm -hmm tell you like you put you in a box and tell you that this is what you need to do but it's actually yeah. freedom that comes through discipline it's like a path to human flourishing so there is a faith component and that partly i have to give my parents credit for instilling that again i'd never tell people what to believe or project yeah. the people it's just my personal experience um and also i've been humbled mm. i have mistakes man like I, I did a video on why I permanently gave up drinking that is getting some good engagement actually more than other videos. I gave it um, a speech in uh, Toastmasters, which quick note, I encourage you and maybe you're already in it or anyone out there. If you want to develop your communication skills and public speaking uh, skills, you can get involved in Toastmaster International and you'll probably okay. have a local chapter in any community that you live in, in the United States, any city, um, you get to, you know, come together with a group of people and practice public speaking, get feedback, and it's great. You build relationships. But our ability, a little tangent, but I have to go on it, our ability it. to think and, and speak and communicate clearly, both written and orally, is one of the greatest superpowers we have as human beings. And, mm -hmm. and you are unstoppable if you can communicate clearly. So anyways, I, I'm in Toastmasters. I encourage you to get involved if you're not already in your own local chapter. But I gave a speech called meet my shadow. And I did put it up in a video form and the titles why I gave up drinking, but I was humbled, man. Like I've, I've been like Icarus and I've flown too close to the sun. Right. Yeah. And, and as they say, pride comes before the fall. And I is particularly, you know, I gave up drinking cause I used to, I think sometimes ego could come out. I obviously do dumb things. And, um, I think just that was one example. I'm not going to get in the weeds on it necessarily, yeah. but I was, I've been humbled, man. And it's like, Gosh, just just humility is important. But thank you for that yeah. comment. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, we were unapologetic on, on on this channel. We're unapologetically who we are. I'm a believer as yep. well in in the Lord Jesus Christ and and all that He has done in my life. And I I've said that before. Amen. I even gave, gave thanks to God for the fact that He healed me. But that was a humbling experience as well. You talk about a humbling experience. Yeah. Because I gave I put it all on myself to get things done. I'm like, okay, I'm the I'm the breadwinner of my family. I'm doing this, and doing that. I'm pushing this channel. Da, 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 da. And God had to say, slow your roll. Um, you you are yes. just a vessel. I'm using you. Uh, don't forget, I am your source. Everything else is a resource. And so I uh, <laughs> I was humbled when half of my face was gone, my hearing, having the shingles in the ear, all these different things yeah, that came man. about it. Dude, dude, I gotta say, like I've been humbled multiple times, and yet I can still be prideful. You know, yes. like. 
I had it like, I'm trying to think, like I, I had a time I became a one-legged pirate and I haven't done a video on this, but this is crazy. Mm. It funny. But in Boston, when I was like 23, I had a serious health issue. It was actually life-threatening at the time. And it turns out it had, it had something to do with, um, you know, blood clotting in, in my leg. And that's mm. actually a life-threatening thing. And then, you know, I, I went out to a bar a couple weeks later. This is crazy. And, um, you know, I wasn't drinking because I was on some medication to deal with the issue, but I was trying to yeah. be positive and still be social. And within five minutes of being this bar at Market Lounge in the financial district in Boston, you know, kind of rickety bar, I hear a commotion to my left and a bouncer's wrestling a drunk guy out the door, throws him into Ooh. the door, shatters the glass. The piece of uh, basically a metal hydraulics on the top of the door breaks. It's like the spring that hinges the door and a piece of metal is flung into my right eye or yeah, right eye. Yeah. And it's permanently blurry for the rest of my life, you know, and I'm fine. Wow. I see perfectly fine, but you know, the health issue, serious health issue, life-threatening. And then that happens permanently damaged eye. That was an example. I was humbled, man. And so much growth came out of it. I couldn't work out. I was in really good shape. I've always, the gym's been an outlet for me. I'm um, yeah. in sports too. I couldn't work out and uh, had to, had to wear an eye patch. So I was like a one-legged pirate. I call myself. And, uh, but what's amazing is I was able to channel like that kind of pain and I was angry into focus at Oracle in my SDR role. It's my first year in tech sales mm. elevated me and I ended up becoming a top performer, you know? So I think we can channel pain into purpose and impact and success. Isn't that crazy? It's like, yes. what do we do with our pain? You know, cause it pain in and itself and it does suck that like what happened, yeah. but it is not, it actually can be an opportunity to convert into, you know, in, in that case, accelerating my career tra uh, trajectory. Yeah. And if that didn't happen, I don't think I would have become like a top performer. Like all of a sudden I got laser focused. I got a promotion into an inside sales role at Oracle. That was a really good patch and I did well. And yeah. that basically set me up to, get a role at Google, which set me up to get to best spin in the channel. And so it, it's funny how last thing I'll send this is like, life is like a tapestry on the back. It's chaotic and full of knots, but without mm. those knots, we don't get the beautiful image on the front. Oof. And so that was just one thing that, that I had. I had a, a serious depression in the pandemic. I won't open up the wow. uh, weeds there, but another yeah. example of being humbled, but I grew so much. Yeah up a lot of opportunity even my youtube channel like was almost birthed out of that um which mm -hmm. is like gratifying amazing thing as you know you're you're building a community and impact it's it's super awesome and then you know recently um shoot what were we uh i forget what we were talking about the uh i lost my thought, brother um the, yeah, no. we were talking the blood cod it humbled you and humility yeah. and yeah, yeah. The pandemic. Were, yeah, yeah. So anyways, um, you get the point. And I don't want to yeah. be a horse, man. But I love your resilience. And I think that um, I'd consider myself resilient. And, and it's like those challenges that make us who we are and forge character. And I think tech yeah. sales, if we can be resilient and persistence, we can do incredible things on this path. Oh, 
so so much because that's the nature of the job. Like we talked about it before when you talked about having grit and having the resilience. When somebody hangs up the phone on you, <laughs> or, or in, in this case, because we're dealing with businesses, it's a little bit more professional. But still, there's a lot of rejection in it as well. You know, the gate can't get past the gatekeeper, or the yeah. person says they don't have time for you, or they said send me an email. Oh boy, that's a trap. Uh, and you know, you you have to pivot and maneuver around all these different objections and rejections and and still have the fortitude to keep on going. So if a person, if you were, I always say this in, in jest though, if, this, if you were rejected in high school a lot by your the one that you were admiring, this is the perfect yes. industry for you. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun, man. I, I, put a, I put a video on my channel on my prom prospecting disaster. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's so crazy. I ended up asking five different girls and getting rejected by all of them. And it, in the video, I tell the story, but some of them were so funny, like, I decided on the third one, I was going to ask the most attractive girl at school that I never even talked to. So what was I thinking? And I decided mm -hmm. that I was going to, um, <laughs> looked up creative ways to ask girls out to prom. <laughs> and I went to PetSmart and got a goldfish and I was going to have her friend. This was Anna Cheffy, the most beautiful girl at school. I was going to have her friend, Megan Goldman, put mm -hmm. this, uh, goldfish in the girl's bathroom and lead her in. And on it, I wrote a note of all the fish in the sea. I choose you. I was going to do that. And I'm <laughs> my mom, my mom would drive me in the high school, like just over the top. And I've never talked to this girl. What was I thinking? Right. But wow. I'm like, you know, screw it. Like, let's just go for it. And uh, my mom is driving me to school, high school, like she would in the morning. And I'm sitting with a goldfish in my lap. And my friend Kent calls me up. He was a star basketball player and one of the cool kids, but he, he was my best friend. And he proactively went to Anna and said, hey, I think Chris is going to ask you out. What do you think? And he said, Chris, don't ask her out. She's going to say no. And uh, and so, you know, she, she said she never, you guys never talk. And so don't do it. And so I actually took his advice. I didn't ask her. I gave the goldfish to my mom to give to my sister. And within a day, the goldfish died along with my hopes of having Anna come to prom with me. So anyways, that was just one rejection. But I had oh, heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> so to your point, you know, maybe that's a, you know, right uh, career path for, for um, folks who uh, were rejected in prom. But the great, you know, um, end of the story was the next mm -hmm. year, like I basically, I dusted myself off and I just kept focusing on baseball and theater and the things I was in and, and just investing in me. And my prom date came to me and yes. I ended up having an amazing experience with Lauren and, and, and it's just so funny, like whatever results we're getting today whether it's in our dating life and tech sales and in any aspect of life, keep showing up, stay positive because the grass is greener on the other side. And, and you know, that's a cheesy mm. metaphor, and I'm kind of cringing that I use it, but it applies. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh man. And, 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 and one of the things that you were saying earlier that I wanted to go back to was in regards to your journey uh, was, you know, really kind of using that as a launch pad because uh, even the, this rejection that you experienced in high school, <laughs> that was a launch pad into this, right? Yes. You're like, I could, I could do this. And so, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you were also an SDR before you guys started to be an account executive, correct? Yes. And I will say, man, like rejection therapy is a thing. It's good oh. to get rejected a lot because then you become unstoppable because you realize it's not a big deal. Right. And so for anything, like if you're afraid to talk to um, girls or, or guys, I encourage you to put yourself out there more, get rejected more. And you actually build thick skin and confidence and realize it's not a big deal. And yeah. then you, the well, funny thing is you get rejected less and the same mm -hmm. with cold calling, like 
I was an SDR first and yeah, we could talk more about that. Um, and I think it's such an amazing role and skill set, and people should not skip over the SDR role because it teaches lifelong business skills and, and, and communication skills. Yeah. But I really believe that the biggest mistake is that folks in an SDR role starting on tech sales overanalyze and they don't get on the phone soon enough. Mm. The fastest yeah. way to improve in sales and in entrepreneurship and in life is through doing. That's the greatest way to learn and to learn through failure and get collect feedback and just keep improving. And the number one thing you can control when you start out as an SDR is your volume. And just by the law of averages, the more calls you make, yeah. the more chances you have of getting a meeting. And by upping your volume and having a bias for action and having courage, you'll more quickly get more effective where you actually have better conversations and you have a higher conversion rate from conversation to meeting. And so I actually think yeah. like the greatest thing you can do early on, play the numbers game and just have courage and fail forward as fast as possible. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you that. What are the essentials of being an SDR? Because that's, that's true. You have to fail forward, not be afraid to get on the phones. I prefer the phones. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yes. Sometimes I do quick researches just to get on the phones because I would research them something quickly, see if I could find information about the prospect or the ICP, wherever the pain points are on the websites and go in. Uh, because personally, I feel I'm the strongest on the phone because of my yes. personal experience. But what would you say for somebody who uh, like they might say, OK, I get it. Get on the phones. What else do I need to be a successful SDR? Yeah. I, number one before anything is making sure you're focused on the right targets because mm. you can be incredible on the phone, great at emails and LinkedIn and multi-threaded outreach, but you're targeting the wrong customers that don't fit your ideal customer profile. They don't really have a need and they also don't have the money to buy. Like you want to get laser focused on who the ideal client is and get as specific as possible Maybe like what type of company, what industry are they in retail manufacturing? Are they digital native software as a service companies? Are they, if they're SaaS companies, are they series B and beyond? Maybe they're starting to scale their, um, their business and, and they probably have, you know, they got some recent funding. They actually have cash in the bank and, and, and money to invest. Like there's little nuances, like what tech stack, um, you know, if you're selling a specific like SaaS product, maybe there's, a certain tech stack that a company could have and you could use like tools to understand like a company's current tech investments that lend itself better to uh, being an ideal customer. Maybe, I don't know. I think just getting as clear as possible on what the ideal customer looks like that you can help and making sure that they're financially healthy. Like of course, big enterprises, they're going to be around even in a recession. Um, and so they're probably going to have like the bigger companies are going to have bigger budgets to actually afford your solution. And the deal sizes will be larger, you know? Mm. So also knowing like how, yeah, how is your product priced? If you're selling Google workspace, which I did when I was at Google and I still sell it and I'm at a, a Google partner now, we're a, a, like a, a reseller or a billing broker. You could buy it through us. Channel, channel is, sales. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's a whole thing. Partner sales is a good, good space. Yeah. Um, if you're selling Google Workspace, of course, you're going to want companies with larger employee counts, like large enterprise companies, thousands of employees, because that's that the more employees, that's how it's priced, the bigger the deal size. Yeah. And honestly, if you're an SDR and you can set up opportunities with bigger companies with your, your and that are qualified, like, man, you're 
field rep or uh, insights reps or AEs, field reps, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They're going to love you. And you're going to look good if to your when it comes time for uh, promotion, if you source larger deals that actually closed and you can point to that. And so that's an example of like a, a licensing model. And it's just it's good to you got to know like how the product's price so that you can quickly eyeball a company and see if they're actually going to be profitable. Like what if you get a, a deal with a company that's like it's like barely going to make your your company any money like that does actually kind of waste the AE's time. It's not going to move the needle. And yeah. the other thing is like a lot of SaaS solutions or platforms, like say you're selling an API platform, they're based on number of transactions and, and like there, there's like new kind of nuances and you could look at a company and based on their, the nature of their business and their online footprint and their workloads and not to, I'm not going to get too technical. You could assess, yeah. and that's your job to figure out like, Oh, I could tell this company's going to have like a lot of high volume of transactions. Like if it's a generative, mm. generative AI solution, and they're going to be more like just based on the nature of their technology and their business, they're going to be very profitable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so a little bit of a tangent, right? I love tangents. I love um, it too. <laughs> but, but the thing is like, get clear on the ideal um, target because other, otherwise you're going to be following a map in the wrong direction. And then yes, phone centric approach is the way to go. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. Now you do need the right data. You know, if you yeah. have a bunch of the wrong numbers, that's no good, but that's a, kind of an organizational problem. You, you'd hope your company has the right, you know, tools, um, Apollo, mm -hmm. Seamless AI, and even those aren't perfect, right? To get you yeah. the right phone numbers. Um, but calling customers, I kind of think it's like spear phishing. And then cold emailing is like, um, like casting out a lure and like phishing, like you, 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 you craft up a beautiful cold, e or cold email that you try to turn warm and make it attractive through personalization, something yeah. so personal to the prospect. Um, like if I'm reaching out to you, I'll look on your profile and make it so personal that it wouldn't make sense for anyone else. Like calling out yeah. something very specific about your interests, your background, or some of your accomplishments. And then, yeah, being very empathetic and value-driven, ideally telling a lens or um, speaking to business outcomes or problems in your world through the lens of a customer story, like a very similar customer that we helped. And so it, that, that's what makes the lure shiny when it comes to a cold email. And you cast out and you bob it, you know, to, you know, which is the follow-ups, right? And it just sits out there. But cold calling is like spear phishing. It's sloppy, mm. messy, but you're more likely to walk away with a big one, right? Yeah. It's funny. But uh and man, like if you make a cold call, you actually have a chance to uncover the customer's resistance. Like why are they, you, you might send emails and never get a response no matter how great they are and you don't know yeah. why, but on a cold call, you can get them live and actually under, uncover, like they say they're all set and you'd say like all set, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a mirror with a slight uptone, which is a hostage negotiation technique that Chris Foss uses that gets them to share more and you could actually just pause and let them share. We're like, Oh, that's okay. That's totally okay. Um, diffusing sales pressure. And, it, and then maybe say something like an accusation audit, which is another negotiation term, which is like, typically when I hear all said, it's one, you know, it's not a priority. It's not two. It's not something you're responsible for. Or you're working with another competitor um, that you're happy with. I know your job isn't to help a sales guy, but is it any one of those? I'm mm. not saying that's the perfect thing to say, man, but you can do yeah. these types of things in a cold call and 
one of the thing I'll say on cold calling is like one of my biggest deals at Google Cloud was um, a $10 million commitment with OfferUp, you know, the, um, that marketplace where you can buy and sell used cars. Mm -hmm. And it was my first cold call at Google Cloud. And I got, you know, the CTO Arian picked up and he told me exactly what I expected. We're all set on AWS, our top competition. They invented the cloud market. And fortunately, yeah. you know, that cold call was just the tip of the iceberg. I had a lot of preparation below the surface. I looked at why customers on AWS moved to Google Cloud, and I found a, key, a few key differentiators related to global expansion, and we don't need to get in the weeds of why that is, or data analytics, right? And I also then read the latest news on OfferUp that they were expanding globally. They got this funding to do that and also invested in their data analytics practice and so I married the two of like where we're differentiated in the terms of the problems we solve versus the competition and then the priorities of this company. And I, I brought them up and I had enough of a value hypothesis to challenge the CTO to a point where he said, you know, a follow up when new CTO is coming, uh, you know, to the, into the role in, in uh, three months and uh, you can reach out. And I did, by the way. So I didn't get the meeting right away, but I opened yeah. a door, sometimes just opening a door. Earning oh, enough yeah. to open a conversation. I follow up three months later with a very personal way to unleash the new CTO. Long story long, right? I, uh, it took six more months, or maybe not six months, three months or more to get the first meeting with the Mish. But mm. I finally got it. And then the deal took like six months more. It, it, maybe a little less. Maybe the whole thing was a year. But at the end of the year, and there were some hiccups and curveballs along the way, we ended up getting to that deal. And so yeah. it was a year long process and some deals take longer, but this brings me to another point. Pleasant persistence pays off the follow-ups, mm -hmm. the finances. And so I think just being persistent is really important, but cold yeah. calling, like hopefully that's a, illuminates an example, like one story of how I was able to challenge a CTO that over email, he would have just never gotten back to me and it opened up yeah. a $10 million deal. Beautiful, beautiful. And I, I would echo that sentiment, a resounding yes. Follow-up is honestly one of the key things that makes a star SDR a star SDR. But I wanted to add something to what you said because yeah. with, with everything you said, it's great. But I realized, especially going through it, that if you are not organized, then you won't get that follow-up. <laughs> you won't get that data. You won't be able That's to do it. all those different things. So. No, no, you. Everything was spot on. What you said, I love it. I and I wanted to just add that because sometimes, that. yeah, because if you think of like, especially somebody who's new becoming an SDR, if you're not organized, like we use Salesforce, if you don't put in your tasks to follow up with this person at X amount of time, put it in, and it's scheduled in there, it reminds you. Or for me, I love to use voicemails. You know, I send an email, quick voicemail, say, "Hey, Joseph, my name is Joseph. I just sent you an email. This is my telephone number. Get back to me. Boom." And they get like, I "What did you say?" That. Yeah, Joseph, yeah. that's such a good point to add on. I uh, yeah. appreciate it. I've had so many deals, you know, where, you know, I'm told like reach out in three to six months and you got to put it in the CRM and also put it in the calendar and you take yeah. it out of your mind and put it in the tickler. And then literally you focus on never become a prisoner to hope to any one deal. It's like you, you cast, mm. that. you always lay the groundwork. I'll pursue new ops, progress other deals. And what do you know, three months later, six months later, it's in my calendar. Okay, I follow up and oh, is it gratifying when like some of the best deals take a long time. And so that organization yeah. is key. And a couple other things uh, in terms of standing out as an SDR, multi-threading, you kind of hit on it. Mm -hmm. um, 
using voicemails to point to your um, emails, using LinkedIn to send a personalized request, and then also alluding to your email, right? Yeah. You can get very creative, like it ultimately hit them from different angles, showing like, I really want to talk to you. You're a priority in a pleasantly persistent way, not like overly salesy, but that, like they yeah. can appreciate that. And some executives want you to earn that meeting. They want to see you followed up, not just across one channel, but across multi-channel, you know, over a certain mm -hmm. amount of time to finally say, you know what, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Unless you're um, coming through a warm referral, which is the ultimate shortcut. You know, like John referred me to you, like someone yeah. from their team or someone they know, that persistence and multi-threading does kind of earn the meeting. And so I think we just yes. need that you could write that put a lot of effort into a, a great value prop and a personal um, email up front. But almost always you can expect that that first email is just the beginning. And the, again, the follow-ups fuel the finances. And... There's a, cu a couple other things in terms of like getting promoted um, from yeah. SDR to AE, like Love building it. your political capital and your network with your, your manager, turning them into your champion, building a great relationship. So they want to root for you for promotion, your account executive, so that they teach you everything it takes to close deals. Yeah. They teach you about all the things you don't know about progressing the sales cycle, backend contracting, and then they vouch for you when it comes time to promotion. That's key. So build those internal champions and then even network with the manager of AEs, you know, that is going to be hiring you. For example, mm. you, cover, it, you cover a few AEs like, and, and they've got a manager. You can bring value to that manager of AEs and also just be a squeaky wheel to communicate like the value you're bringing. That it'll, of course, come through the AEs on their team that you're serving and bringing value to, but communicate yourself. And I even did this at Google Cloud to get promoted from inside sales to field sales. At 26, I was one of the youngest people in the whole organization in that field sales role. Nice. And I basically figured out when the field sales manager was in town locally when I was selling in Seattle and we had a field rep that was local. I was in Austin as the inside seller. And I set like three or four meetings with him, with the field sales manager, bringing direct value to him. And of course, the seller I aligned to making him look great, prepping him with notes. And man, those like some of those led to deals. And yeah. so that's like one example of a way to really bring value. And part of it is it's just doing your job. And when an AE or a field sales manager is looking for to break into a top account, like you deliver, you know, and you, you, you try your best to do that. But I will say one other thing on um, like building relationships, whether it's with your manager or your account executive in particular, who you're going to be working with very closely, get to know them personally. What makes them tick? Does your manager have kids? Like, yeah. uh, you know, what are they into? Are they into fencing? When are their birthdays? Like kind of do your detective work over time. You're not going to get it all at once, but this is it's just incredibly powerful. So you're having yeah. your one, one like, how, how's Jessica? How was her basketball tournament? How'd she do? Oh, mm. amazing. That adds up, right? Yeah. Understand their communication style. How does your manager prefer you give updates? Like, what are they looking for? How do you report mm -hmm. data in a way that makes them look like a champion to their boss, right? Are they analytical yeah. and do they like the updates over email? Like, you know, you figure out the style that's most effective and communicate in the way that they love. And that's the subtle thing that they're going to appreciate. And then Beautiful. ask your manager and AE for advice on how to be more successful take notes, show them 
that you're implementing what they're telling them or they're telling you to implement and celebrate the success that is the result of the feedback they gave you. Make them look like the hero and show gratitude and mm. coachability. And you turn them into a mentor, like, and, and give them credit for your success. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Love that. And they're going to, they're going to want to give more to you. And the more they give to you, the more they're going to feel personally tied to your success. And again, vouch for you when it comes time. Yeah. For promotion. And I know I, I can talk forever. That's you the know, truth right there. This is a podcast, but I will tell you one thing I did one final piece on this mentorship component, like turning your AE into a mentor is so valuable. Yeah. When it comes time for promotion, because the, the, let's say if you're going from SDR to inside sales, one of the biggest objections is going to be, you don't have closing experience, but what if you, um, after sourcing some deals for your AE, as you get closer to promotion, you, you say, Hey, can I get you coffee? Or could we talk a little bit about some of the deals I sourced that you closed and walk through the whole process, including curveballs they ran into you. And the, again, the back end, uh, contracting all the nuances, you can take notes and learn to tell the story of the deals in such detail that you, mm. you know what i sourced these deals that closed i did contribute to you know top line which is the lifeblood of this organization yeah and i know i didn't run them but i talked to my ae and i could actually walk you through every detail of this deal to show you that i know what it takes mm. to hit the ground running Woo! And that's so, a gem and, anyways so i'll speak <laughs> of running my mouth is running a lot and i'm gonna hit pause and turn it back over to you in case you had another question. <laughs> yeah. Hey family, it's Joseph here again. Now you have heard me talk about how tech sales has changed my life. I actually wanna introduce you to another career that if you decide to go into it, truly is recession proof, and that is cybersecurity. Level Careers is a platform similar to Course Careers that's self-paced and allows you to obtain knowledge and ed education in cybersecurity, and get this, without prior experience or a degree. That's right. And so you definitely want to get into that. And if you are interested in learning more about cybersecurity, go ahead and click the link below. It's in my description and use my promo code Joseph10. That's right. Use my promo code Joseph10 in order to save 10% off of the purchase price of that course. So without further ado, I'm not going to delay you. Go click on the link, check out the free introductory courses and change your life today yeah uh, put on the ac because you're on fire over there uh <laughs> just <laughs> like no 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 that, no, that uh, yeah <laughs> yes no no that is so that is such a good point that i didn't i didn't think about because that was my next question to you yeah. a lot of sdrs want to like be like okay I'm, I'm tired of getting rejected off the phones i'm tired of doing all this i want to be an ae that's where the money's at right yeah. and so they are you know we're running to that but how do they get there is a question. Many organizations may not have like a quick six month turnaround to you becoming an AE. Many yeah. organizations might say, you know, you'd be here about 12 years for consideration, maybe even 15 months, et cetera, et cetera. It's yeah. different depending on the organization. So you want to put yourself in the best position. Shout out to Elijah. Uh, that he's, he's the AE that, uh, that I worked that I worked with on one of my first deals. Love uh, that. At, yeah. And, and we created such a relationship. He's actually one of my a few my first interviews that I had on this channel, uh, but we've always had this relationship where we talk with each other, check in. He's given me so much value. I try to provide different values in the areas that I'm a little bit more stronger in, whether it's content creation or whatever, but that mutually giving relationship is so important within any partnership, but especially with an SDR to an AE. And I love that what you said about going to the AE's manager and developing a relationship there as well. That, yeah, listen. To do that and then also just 
find opportunities. Like when are yeah. they in town in the local market and partner with your Ooh. AE to try and set them up with a meeting. You set it up. You brought like direct value to that manager of AEs who could be your future boss. And yeah. there's no way they're, they're not going to appreciate that. Right. And that actually will start to be, earn you the opportunity to even build a relationship and maybe mm. even ask for a little time for a mentorship conversation yeah. to understand, you know, what it takes to succeed, what they value in an, you know, an employee. And I'd even like, I, I'm a gutsy guy. I think you got to yeah. be courageous. Right. And at mm. some point you network and you lay the groundwork, the intention that I'm working as hard as I can to bring value in this territory, but I would, I would totally be, I don't say totally. That sounds kind of casual, but I would yeah. be honored to have the opportunity to work under you. I admire the way you approach leading your team. And so yeah. I just throw that intention out there. What can I be doing to position myself to, um, you know, join your team and why not lay the groundwork and be courageous, you know, yeah. in a way. And, and that networking is natural and important. And they, these managers at the end of the day, the great thing about sales is in, when you take initiative and you are yeah. a closer mm -hmm. like of that, it's good to be a little gutsy, right? In yeah. fact, in interviews for SDR roles or any role, if you're not closing on next steps or taking initiative and putting yourself out there, it is a red flag, you know, mm. so they, they actually appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that in regards to what you were saying as well with making your manager look good, I remember there are yeah. times where my manager told me, okay, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I said, okay. And I did X, Y, and Z and had X, Y, and Z result. And she was like, she went up to her boss and said, he actually listened to what I said. And, and she came back and said, man, you actually listened to what, I, what I've been telling you. Like, yes. you really are coachable. And I'm like, well, isn't everybody that way? She's like, no. <laughs> She's like, I <laughs> Joseph, coachability is the foundational quality they, they look for, hiring managers look for in SDRs and even AEs because your potential is limitless. It's like literally mm. you can just, there is no ceiling to how much you can improve when you're coachable. You can take in feedback and improve. The moment we think we know it all, we yeah. literally cut off our potential, especially in sales and in business. So I love that you're coachable, man, like that is clearly why you've been successful and why you have a limitless ceiling. And the good news is these qualities like coachability that are required in, uh, for success in sales and in life. Yeah. It's like, these are not, it's not rocket science and we mm -hmm. are all capable of it. It's actually a choice to suspend yeah. our ego and not let getting our, our need to be right, to get in the way of improving and becoming mm. the person that we can become, you know? And mm. so, Another thing I, I got to throw it out there. It's like, if you want to be promoted from SDR to AE or get promoted from a, uh, inside the field or any type of promotion, obviously you can tell you have to start to think about the skill sets that you need to develop yeah. um, for the next role and build mentors. And, oh, shoot. I think I lost my um, train of thought. Okay, got it. It came back. It came back. It's mine, man. If we could open it up, it's crazy what goes on in there. You and um, me both. Yeah, exactly. And somehow I ended up getting into Google. If I can do it, you guys can do it. So <laughs> you, know, uh, you don't have to be perfect. That's key. But shadowing calls, right, is huge. Like ask on top of hitting your numbers and smiling and dialing and con controlling your attitude and effort and just going for it and taking action, 
and not being afraid to work even a few extra hours, knowing that the grind as an SDR is the tuition you pay for greater levels of freedom in this role in tech sales. Like if you grind today and sacrifice today, you open up greater freedom in the future, right? Mm. You don't got you don't have to grind as hard anymore. But one thing you can do on top of the grind is shadow calls and ask your AE like. You know, I'm putting in the work here, but I would love to learn from you and observe how you hand, progress deals in the sales cycle. Are you okay with me shadowing calls? What I'm going to do for you, what I'd love to do is take notes so you can stay focused and present in the conversation. And so that's actually a value add that you can take notes in the call and you just be a sponge. And ideally, maybe you could shadow a full sales cycle. So that's another yeah. thing that I interviewed a guy on my channel that I know in Austin, and he actually got promoted from SDR to AE in six months, which... That's probably about as fast as you can do it. I was a year at Oracle. Some yeah. take longer and it might be a red flag if a company like promises you can get promoted, but that there's all of a sudden it's dragging out two years. You might want to go to another role. But anyways, mm-hmm. it went from SDR to AE in six months and a key on, uh, that he did was shadow calls like this. And he put in yeah. extra hours to make sure he hit his numbers so he still had time to shadow calls. Um, and so that's just something to think about. By the way- yeah. I'm all for the grind, but of course you do have to care for your mental and emotional well-being and kind of um, check in with yourself because you don't want yeah. to come out at the end of the day. So that that's a being a workhorse is great and will pay off, but also like it is important to care for your mental and emotional well-being and find some degree of balance. Absolutely, and and the beautiful thing about shadowing is nowadays, if I could add on to that, the beautiful thing about shadowing nowadays is that you could leverage technology to do that. So, for example, in our company, we have Gong. So oh, if, yeah, I love, I love that. Gong. <laughs> okay, that's a great point, man. So you're saying yeah. that you can watch the recordings. You can even watch it live with the new features with Gong. So if they're actually, if you're busy, wow. if you're just sitting around like, I don't know nothing to do. Let me check on there. You could actually go to the homepage and see what live demos are actually happening. And you could actually watch them silently in the background. So they don't know that you're there. You won't jump in the call, but you could see live right there what's going on. Um, and you can take your notes and you're like, oh, man, that's good. dude, you've got some great nuggets, man. I'm learning from you and uh, like shadowing those live calls that, that that's really great because you can kind of, oh, well, you can do it live, but also am I wrong in saying you could also do it on your own time? On like, your own time too. That's, yep. that's actually really key. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that's the best thing because sometimes you might be busy trying to get in a certain like well, your KPIs, right? It calls a certain amount of calls and things like that as an SDR, if you could set up set aside time outside of work, just, you know what? I really want to study. Let me go and check out the top AE or the top SDR, see what their cold calls look like, see how they structure their clothes, see how they actually deal with these objections, if they have any, and that would really set you up for success. I learned a uh, one thing about my AE, he's always on Gong. Like he even said to himself, "Like I'm, all, yeah. uh, I'm always on Gong. Elijah's always on Gong. He's always like listening to different things and learning." And I learned that from him. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I got to be here." Yeah, and, and so hitting, getting um, promoted, like you do have to hit your numbers. Like you're being paid yeah. to do a job, and that's table stakes. Like sales is an outcomes business. You need to do the SDR song and dance, and get meetings, build enough pipeline. Uh, maybe funnel enough new leads. Like some companies are different around their activity metrics, but at the end of the day, the outcomes really are around, you know, setting meetings, building pipeline. Maybe there's a revenue target. I mean, that's definitely a bonus though. Yeah. That is so ideal if you can like 
point to revenue that you've that closed that you source. So you need to hit your numbers, but if you can balance that with looking into the future and learning from mentors to start to accelerate the development of those those skills for the next role, if you can find yeah. the balance, and it might take a little a few extra hours, but like that is so key. So key, so key. And so they then all that you said, all that we all that we discussed, and they're now at AE and they're loving it. Yes. Um, but they 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 are coming across some challenges. What are some challenges that they may experience as an AE? And what are your suggestions for them to overcome those challenges? Yeah, I think I mean there's there's a lot. It's a big jump from SDR to AE. You know, like you've got to become really good at discovery. Um, maybe did you do disc lead discovery as an SDR or um, were you more focused on just getting meetings and passing the torch? That's a quick question for you. Great question. It actually was both. In the beginning okay. portion, they allowed us to cover discovery by ourselves. But later on, we did what's called a collab OV where we actually do discovery with the AE. And so that leads then to the demo with the sales engineer or in our company subject matter expert and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe you're already doing some degree of discovery, um, you know, when you're an SDR, but you're really going to have to learn to master that skill set. Um, you're going to have to learn how to really manage a team like your SDRs and your customer engineers, sales engineers, whatever you want to call them, and different resources and empower them and, and, and set a strategy in a territory and really just take more ownership um, of that strategy. You're going to have to learn how to run demos and mm. and present demos in the right way where you're not just like spitting out features and benefits and talking about unnecessary bells and whistles, but really focusing on the right aspects, telling customer stories. But at the end of the day, you're taking ownership and now you're leading this. You know, you need to know how to handle the back-end contracting systems and how to handle negotiations back and forth on, you know, discounting and other, maybe you have other levers like in the in the cloud world we have discounts we have cloud credits we have even some other things that we can work with so you have to learn about how to negotiate in those levers and ultimately you know bring the deal to closure and how to navigate like unexpected curveballs and, and and influence different stakeholders at the company especially if you're selling something complex so i'm just paying a picture yeah. that there's just a lot there's a it's like a huge jump from like focusing on being at the tip of the spear and so you're going to be drinking through the fire hose. So I just, I do think like having a good uh, relationship with your manager and finding a mentor who's like a, maybe a more senior AE on your team or maybe mm -hmm. your team that you can um, lean on for support, you know, as you gotcha. navigate these, this uncharted territory, like you just simply don't have the at-bats like running through full deal cycles if you're coming from SDR to AE. And so yeah. to be able to run into a scenario like where a deal is, uh, you, you have a like an issue where there's a specific feature that maybe you don't offer that's important to them, or some like limitation of the technology, and you need to know how to handle that objection or where uh, like get around it. Like you can lean yeah. on this mentor. So I do think like having a mentor coach is really important at a super high level, um, someone who can help you. You can bounce ideas off of and get some guidance um, on how to handle um, challenges. Yeah, I think that that is that is essential, you know, and 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 I think that that is used that, that that's really that's I think any area of tech, but so much more as an AE yeah. because it's such an intricate. You're dealing with these deals, 
you don't know what you could do that could really kind of cause these deals to fall through uh, or the proper follow-up. You don't want to be too <laughs> nagging to the prospect. Uh, yeah. There's a balance. And right? here's another thing. It's like making sure, especially if like in my world, like I, it's telling you there's a, a $50 million deal I'm chasing. It's over five years, so about $10 million a year, um, specifically on Google Cloud. And we're mm. like a broker. And, and there might be some other components of the deal tied to it. Um, and when you're like dealing with like larger deals, um, or, but honestly, like any type of deal, you want to be, um, a trusted advisor and not be put in a bucket of being transactional, like too, mm. put, too, like, like, um, short-term focused. And so there, what I learned, and I even got this feedback when I was at Google Cloud from a really good seller that I, I was working with that. You got to know when to actually stop selling and like slow down. Mm. Little nuances like that can be a challenge. Like because a meeting, much more like I don't know if superficial is the right word, but you're just you're trying to get your what you're closing on because you're closing is getting a time for a meeting where you can explore an opportunity. But when you're chasing like a big deal that is like very complex. There's much more depth to it. And there are times when you actually need to slow down, ask like further questions, maybe connect a customer with a certain resource and not be, there's times where you can be like too pushy when there's more depth to the situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you again. Uh, I, I have a couple more questions. I want to be respectful of your time, but listen, family, if you were listening to this information, <laughs> this is a value-packed interview that you need to probably watch a couple of times or go back to a couple of sections and write down because this is stuff that I believe a lot of people are looking for. Either they're trying to get into SDR position or they're trying to level up from here. Listen, this is this is stuff that I'm writing mental notes down. And when I edit these videos, like I always say, I'm right there watching it again, like for the first time. And so, <laughs> and so, so definitely do that. Definitely take advantage of this and. I'm going to give you um, parting words uh, before we go. But one more thing I want to ask you before we give parting words is you said something earlier about equity, right? We did a, we did, we did the play. We, we, we studied the company. We studied where we want to go. We studied the training and everything like that. We got to the particular company that could be a launch pad for us. We did all the different things to grow and we find ourselves with, a, with, a, with a indecision in this place of, okay, I've been at this company that has established me. I'm looking for this company. You said earlier about negotiating equity. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of negotiating equity when you get to that point? Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that companies are much more willing to be flexible with their equity packages. And it's one of your best levers for negotiation over um, base salary and even um, on target earnings and commission. And it, it definitely has some of the biggest upside. So I think, you know, like when I uh, left Google to come to my current company, I, I got my, um, it's funny, my roommate from Georgetown had gone through a similar equity negotiation um, with the company that he was um, working at. And he gave me some advice. And I think just knowing that that's like a lever that companies are more willing to be flexible with is important. And I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would just say like, you want to ask high and, and stretch yourself to ask, you know, pretty high and see where they land and uh, don't make the mistake of like underselling yourself or going too low. 
you know, like the first ask is just a starting point and then you can, you know, see how willing they are to wiggle from there. But just know that equity just at a super high level is a good lever to pull. And it could, you know, if, if a company does go public, it can like quadruple in value. Yeah, I, I've heard somebody say that it may be, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you ever dealt with this before, they were in a situation that it was either a sign-on bonus or equity. Like it was some kind of like, yeah, give you one or the other. Have you experienced that before? Have you heard that before? Yeah, and I, ideally you get both. Mm -hmm. uh, and it depends on how much leverage you have. Like I was um, coming from Google, so I had that marketability. We talked about the importance of going to a company that gives you a good branding. It's a good name. Yeah. And I happen to be going to a company that is a Google partner. And so I had, I value it like that, that experience. I knew the, the, the product set and I had actual Google relationships. And in my case, you know, I was able to get, you know, a, a sign on bonus and equity, but in terms of the long-term value and upside, there's no question like the equity can be exponential when a, a signing bonus is just cash in the here and now. And it's, you could like invest that money somewhere, but if you're thinking long-term and like the, the most value possible, like of course the equity could be a strategic move and to take more equity than versus a signing bonus. But maybe like yeah. what if you're in a position where you actually do need some cash, like you're going through a life change and, or um, you had a little like debt you wanted to pay off, like you could go for that short-term money. Um, it, what's funny is like you could make a lot of money in tech sales, but if you're not being responsible with your money, like some people make a lot of money and they just spend more, right? Yeah. Wealth building has, you know, you have to be disciplined, but I, it just depends on your context. But if you are able to play the long game, man, like I would take more equity, especially if you, you hopefully believe in this company and you've talked to leadership and you've really gotten an understanding of their vision and their plans. Yeah, I, I totally agree, especially if, if it has to be one or the other. Yeah. The, the equity play could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, it's oh, it's not even comparable. You can't I mean, even compare the two. It's but, like it's interesting because, I mean, it, at, it, depending on the stage of your career, it could be. And if you're early on at a company like it could be a million. Right. Like definitely yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars for sure. And also. Like I have a buddy at um, AWS and he, he's, mm -hmm. he was at Google Cloud before. He's had a great tech sales career. Um, but as a field seller, let's say he's like 250K on target earnings and he yeah. got enough equity that vests over four years that could be um, equivalent to a million dollars. Now, mm -hmm. at like AWS or Google Cloud or Google, um, you get reserve stock units, which is actual stock. It's not like pre-IPO you know, you're negotiating like a lower rate. So when you go public, it, it multiplies. But that actual stock, the reserve stock units is also very valuable. And so that was the part yeah. of my package at, at Google. Um, what's funny is when I got to Google, I actually did at the time, I, I actually valued the upfront money. And so I did negotiate mm. a bonus. But in hindsight, I mean, the reality is if we're thinking long-term, the equity, that's the place to double down. Yeah. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, I love this conversation. I yeah. really love it. And I, and I feel like there, there's so much we could talk about. But I wanted to give you, and I want to respect your time, of course, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share some parting words with the audience. If you could say anything to a person that is trying to become an AE that's ready at SDR or even trying to break in tech, period, what would you say to them as a parting message? 
Yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, someone asked me, what's the meaning of life? And I, I think the part of the meaning of life is to um, shoulder a burden, like to stretch ourselves and try and pursue our greatest potential. Because in the progress of uh, the process of progress and realizing our potential, I think in that forward momentum, that's like where we access the joy and meaning that sustains human beings. So progressing in our lives, taking on a worthy challenge, and I think, uh, you know, finding a career path like tech sales where we can yeah. build meaningful relationships, where we can actually create income to make an impact, not just for ourselves, but for others. And that we can even use that money to give to charities we care about. Like that is truly empowering and exciting. And I think there, there is a lot of meaning that can be found in this path. And so yeah. I, I encourage folks out there to um, recognize that if you're even struggling to get into tech sales, like keep going knowing that this is like a meaningful opportunity. It's a worthwhile mm. And it's really just a tool to unlock your own growth and your own impact. So I just encourage anyone out there, final thing is that uh, just never give up, right? It's cheesy, but it's true. And, and, and know that with enough persistence, the impossible truly can become possible. Yeah, you, you, you said a lot of amazing things. Um, got me... Thinking about Toastmasters now. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, just definitely getting into Toastmasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, this has been one of the most value packed interviews that I've had on this channel. And I know that there is not just one or two nuggets, there's a plethora of them here from this conversation that people could wean from if they are in SDR position or even trying to transition to be an AE. And even beyond that, in regards to even picking a company. So I thank you humbly. I thank you, Chris, for your time. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on this channel. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, Joseph, thank you for having me. And I really admire the impact you're making. Um, you're giving your you. gifts and you're lifting you. other people up onto the path. So I'm really glad to have the chance to uh, just share in this conversation and um I look forward to the next time that we uh, we connect and, and speak again. It, it probably might be sooner than you think. <laughs> so, yeah. so. At some point, you know, have you on the channel myself. And um, I think at the end of the day, having conversations that amplify great ideas, elevating consciousness, and, yeah. and hopefully sharing words that an encouragement that gives people a gentle nudge in the direction of their dreams. That's what, what it's all yeah. about. So I love that you're doing that. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And family, thank you for watching. Like I always say, until next time, and I'm bringing Chris in this as well, we hope to see you on the other side.